It does feel for me, writing music to Star Wars, that, that it's one entity, that it's one body, and that I'm adding parts to it every time. And that it is a, that there is a continuity there in, in musical terms that is, as far as I know, in film, unique. And it's an opportunity that George has given, probably unwittingly, I mean, initially, on his part, and certainly and unknowingly on my part. But in retrospect, we can look back and, and see now that we've had this, we have this collection of, of themes and melodies and marches and battle hymns and all this of all kinds, uh, weddings, funerals, everything you can think of that, that belong to this uh, canon now of, of musical work, which I have to say I, I get a big kick out of looking at it now, and uh, especially due to the fact that in the beginning, at least in my mind, it wasn't planned out that way. I've loved doing the Star Wars films with all the fanfares and flourish and the galaxy far, far away, I, I actually feel like I'm still in it, that I've never really left it, you know? Having worked on all of the six films, I'm just happy to be continuing to be part of, of the whole fun of doing it. And the secret sauce of Star Wars the greatest composer, conductor in the universe, John Williams. Hello, Star Wars fans, move milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 85 of Blast Points. This is Jason. And Gabe. You heard in the beginning, it's going to be a lot of John Williams talk. We're talking about the secret sauce of Star Wars. John Williams himself coming up. There's a lot to talk about. But first, we got some more Mungo Baobab to talk about. Three more episodes of uh, droids to watch. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Maybe next month, but no, no, no. We're going to take a little, little hiatus from Master Mungo. Yeah. Yeah, I think it. I'm finally uh, recuperated. I had to <laughs> spend a couple days in the biohexacrypt and then rinse off in a box of tank and eat some root leaf. But I think I'm okay now. Let's get started uh, with some, some old but... St- 
still, we haven't talked about it. Last Jedi stuff. Good. Come Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Last Jedi. So, what was it like? A couple weeks ago, a thousand photos leaked out as everything yeah. is leaking out now with Last Jedi. The inevitable promo picks that come out. Yeah, so like on July 27th, everyone's just having a normal day, going about their business. And then <laughs> right away in the, kind of in the morning, we get hit with like pictures of Ray and Finn and Kylo Ren and Luke and... Snoke. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think the best thing was that morning there were some Lego picks. And we were like, oh, look at this Lego picture. It was Snoke Lego looking at a hologram. And we're yeah. Like, oh, what's that hologram? And then, yeah, all of a sudden, wait, what's this? Maybe we should be looking at these instead. Yeah, the party got kicked up a notch. I mean, those photos, they were they were kind of hush-hush for a while. But then you got, like, Mark Hamill sharing images of, like, a picture of him on like the cover of the Beatles help, you know, <laughs> like, so right. they're not that, they're not that secret anymore. Kind of if you, people who want to see him have all seen him, but, um, out of all those photos came out, which ones were your favorite? Uh, I mean, I definitely probably spent the most time looking at the Snoke pic, just trying to figure out what's going on with his face. But the Luke ones are really, are really hot since it's really kind of our first really good look at his, his traveling gear, the leather hood and, Oh, man, he looks good. I don't know. I can't pick one because Ray looks really cool. Kylo looks great with his extra greasy hair. So greasy. Yeah. The dark side of the hair grease. <laughs> Which was your favorite, Jason? I really like the traveling Luke with his arms out. It was. I, I still can't even look at it that much, especially just thinking about how his outfit is vaguely similar to his Return of the Jedi outfit and his boots are like his A New Hope boots, but like a dark version. I can't even look at that. I really like the lightsaber stance Ray, where it looks like she's got like a um, a Master Replica's light-up lightsaber. Yeah, it's neat how, I think we talked about that with some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, just like now with the like LED light-up lightsabers, like how good they look even without doing all the post-processing. Like they still look cool, and it's not even really even lighting up, but it still looks cool. That Snoke senior photo, though, that <laughs> sent me into a black hole of thinking about Snoke again. Because I've been like, kind of just like, meh, 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 Snoke, you know, whatever. I read Empire's End, and I got a pretty clear idea what the First Order is. and you know. But then, as soon as that Snoke picture came out, I was just like, man, Snoke is everybody. Like, I'm, yeah. I, was, I was open to all ideas again. I was like, yeah. I was maybe. like, maybe he's Plagueis. I don't know. Trying to think about how he's Vader and how he regrew arms and legs. Maybe he's got robot arms and legs. Getting crazy. I was getting Snoke crazy again. Well, I think, too, we were kind of freaking out trying to figure out, looking at the picture, like it's not clear if that's a CG picture of his head or if it's like a rubber maquette of his head. Or we were talking about, like with Maz, they wanted to do Maz as a animatronic puppet, right? That was kind of controlled by potentially facial capture or something. And it's like, is Snoke going to be like, is Andy Serkis going to do 
the motion capture like he would for a CG character, and they're going to map that to an actual animatronic, shriveled old rubber man. I don't know. You know, it's kind of like that picture of Luke. I'm trying not to think about that. <laughs> it's kind of paralyzes you i'm looking at it right now looking into his blue eyes like that photo almost kind of looks like if the first order had like id badges to get on ships that's snokes you know like yeah yeah. that's his passport photo yeah his driver's license photo (laughs) but i don't know i was thinking since these it's been you know almost what are we been almost two weeks since these came out Mm -hmm. i'm kind of surprised that they haven't officially released the real ones just to like, it's almost like sometimes now when like the cell phone version of a trailer will leak or something, like they'll put the real stuff out just so people are looking at the good stuff and not like the shady bootleg version. That I'm kind of surprised since these don't really spoil anything that at least of like maybe the the Kylo and Ray or something like actually releasing those on the official site or something. Well, and it's interesting. This is kind of like the next leak that kind of came out was the Kylo pictures. Some of those you can see on the packaging for the action figure. So, you know, we're in August now and it's like, we're probably going to get another trailer sometime this month. The action figures are going to be out in a matter of weeks and it's kind of, it's all part of the plan coming up and these images are going to be seen on posters and toys and right. They'll be on a giant banner when we walk into Toys R Us for force Friday. Yeah. What do you think? Cause I don't know if anyone's really been talking about that. Kylo's lightsaber, right? It got destroyed in Force Awakens, right? That's still a good question. Did it? Because I'm. It's interesting how I think his lightsaber in these pictures is exactly the same as the old one, right? I've watched that part way too many times, and I've tried to figure out because, like, does Ray destroy the lightsaber, or does she just does she hit his hand? I think isn't there sparks like it seems like maybe she doesn't completely destroy it, but she at least damages it. So he's got more mass. So he's probably got more sabers, too. Yeah, that's a good point. I say, I guess another uh, good thing you can see if you look in Finn, uh, did you notice it? You got a pretty good shot of uh, where they stitched up his jacket, which is kind of more confirmation that, you know, people were saying that Finn, this is actually the exact same jacket from Force Awakens, and they just stitched up where the lightsaber cut it. So you can see the stitching in the the picture of Finn, too. Oh, yeah. On his shoulder. Yeah, and it looks like he's still wearing his, like I I think I've said before, that could be his shirt that he's got on in the biohexacrypt, or his little back-to-tank thing, too, because I wonder if when the Resistance base or their ship or whatever is being attacked, if they're kind of like wake him up and get him out of here. Yeah, because it seems like that's going to be that attack is pretty much right after, pretty close to after Force Awakens ends. I love Snoke's gold bathrobe or whatever the heck he's wearing. <laughs> that's just one of those, that's the best stuff where it's like, we think about new Star Wars movies a lot. And I think <laughs> in all of our thinking and pondering, I don't think I ever thought Snoke would have sparkly gold PJs. So... A disco robe. I'm looking forward to that. I hope he just really loves the disco. That's what he wants to talk to Hologram Kylo about. <laughs> Kylo, I've got some albums for you to check out for your training. He's not talking about Sith training. He's talking about like disco training. Yeah. Yeah. You need a teacher. I'm going to teach you how to do the hustle. 
base at once and come to me with Kylo Ren. It is time to complete his training. So if you can believe it, there was a little bit of episode nine chatter going on. Yeah, that one kind of caught me off guard, too, because I wasn't expecting any official Episode 9 news at this point with the two other Star Wars movies <laughs> in production and, and you know, constant barrage of new stuff, so... But it's good news, I think. I don't some it's it's Star Wars news, so people are gonna freak out, but I think it's good news. Yeah, so it was announced that this guy, Jack Thorne, is gonna be coming on to do a polish of the script. The script that was originally written by Colin Trevorrow and his writing partner Derek Connolly. And I don't know, Jack Thorne's credits though, kind of better than either of those dudes. I mean, especially he wrote uh the actual play for Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Uh, he's won like a BAFTA in the UK and he's a pretty accomplished writer. So kind of like, all right, but you got to love Star Wars fans though, because it's like they've spent months and months saying like Trevorrow is a goofball and <laughs> he's going to get fired and get replaced with Joe Johnston. Yeah. And then they announced this guy who, who's like a real writer and you know, like, yeah. really kind of knows what he's doing, and people are like, "Oh, episode nine must be in trouble." Right, <laughs> especially when the people are like, "You know, it wouldn't be so bad if Trevor wasn't writing it." <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like, "Oh, he's not writing it." Well, that's going to be terrible. <laughs> so you know, maybe they're learning from the standalones where they got to get they got to clean house earlier. Don't redo the movie. And you're on like the last week of filming. Maybe, yeah. Maybe start earlier than that. <laughs> yeah. I just, I still don't like thinking about nine though because I don't want this to be just three movies, and I don't want it to be over this quick. I don't want the Ray, Finn, Kylo story to be done. Well, we don't know if it's going to be done though. Still, uh, yeah. I hope not. I don't want it to just be three movies, and that's and then we're on to something else. You know. I like these characters too much. I like this story too much. I don't know. But then it's like I look at like all that stuff with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and the Disney parks, and it's like the Resistance and the First Order, and that's going to open up the same year as Episode Nine, and that park is going to exist like forever. So I'm like, well, they can't be done done. But it would be weird if like the Resistance never wins for like 20 years. <laughs> It's like, you know, the Rebels, they had their nine years and then it was good. So at some point, you know, maybe we should start rooting for the First Order to just get it over with. <laughs> well, wipe if, those guys out. If Snoke keeps wearing gold disco jackets, then maybe that's something I could get behind. I don't <laughs> yeah, maybe that's that's the twist. Yeah. <laughs> the First Order wins at the end. They just invite them all to a disco party. Yeah. I think Hux Hux would be up for a disco party. Oh, you know, you know, Hux is dancing. Yeah, that may be the. That's where the all the bad feelings between Kylo and Hux are. Is like Kylo's like way better at being a 
Jedi master than uh, an evil Jedi master than Hux, but Hux got all the dance moves. They just so. like attach a crane to Captain Captain Phasma and raise her up into the ceiling, and she's a disco ball. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe she gets a new helmet that has like all the little facets on the head. So she changes her name to the Shockmaster. Yeah, and yeah, or yeah. He is none other than the Shock Master. world they call me the shockmaster i would love it if captain phasma broke through a wall <laughs> she really needs to you know this is a, this be... is a very subtle shout out to the shockmaster yeah well that would be a good way to you know it's like oh you thought you thought she was dead in the last movie boom right through the wall <laughs> And then her helmet could fall off and we could see what she looks like. Oh, that's what she looks like. A cameo by Ric Flair. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why Why is it Ric Flair in Star Wars? He should be. Yeah. Just as himself. Yeah, put him on the casino planet. He was put <laughs> in with all the aliens. You know, yeah, he strikes it rich on Canto Bite. Woo! Yeah. You know? Woo! So there was some Han movie news. Han Solo. 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 Ron Howard has not stopped posting sweet pics. No, he's having. You know, he's he's the king of the internet, and he's. You can tell he's having the time of his life. I say, I almost wonder if he. A part of him regrets not doing Phantom Menace, but maybe not. <laughs> everyone would everyone would hate him. He, he posted um, just the the week we're recording this. He posted a photo of him with a cool looking yellow astromech, and then he posted a photo of some cool droid arms working a control panel thing. I hope that's that's like the main focus of the movie. The week before, he posted. A crazy picture of him with uh, director of photography, what's his name, Bradford Young, of like a bar or something. And there was like a crazy alien back in the corner with like, yeah. a, like a fishbowl face. Yeah, another giant fat alien. <laughs> I'm really happy, yeah, that for whatever reason, all the new Star Wars movies seem to have really big fat aliens. So crazy Han news, though, like a couple weeks ago, they announced who was doing the score for the Han movie. And I think, what was it, like our episode two weeks ago we were like betting on michael guacamole being the guy and much to our surprise it was revealed to be john powell yeah doing who i think everybody spent about 10 minutes trying to figure out who john powell was (laughs) suddenly on internet movie database had a spike in searches for john powell but then it was like oh okay i know some of those movies so my first reaction was i was disappointed i was I really wanted uh, Michael Guacamole to be the guy. Frappuccino. Yeah. Jamocha. Michael Curly Fries from Arby's. But then, you know, funny story. Like, I think the week that they announced that, I was listening in my car on, like, the Amazon music thing. And I had it on the John Williams station, because that's how cool I am. Drive around cranking with the John Williams. But pretty much the John Williams station on that is just, like, film scores. I was driving, 
and something like some score is playing. I was like, I don't know what movie this is from, but it sounded really good. And I was at like a red light and I was like, what is this? And I looked and it was like the theme from How to Train Your Dragon 2 or something. And I was like, man, I've never seen those movies, but I was like, this theme is kind of dope. And that was him. So it was kind of like, and that was like, I think the day before they announced him doing the Han movie. So I was just like, well, you know, I'll keep an open mind. I feel like I'm even more flexible with the Han movie too. Cause I just, because it seems like it's going to be even with Ron Howard, maybe a sillier, less serious movie mm-hmm. that I almost don't know if a super John Williams, the normal star Wars score even needs, it even needs to have that. Because it's not like there's a Han Solo theme. No, there's not, weirdly. There's never been a Han Solo theme, so it's like I could almost see it having a different take on a Star Wars soundtrack. Where something like Rogue One, since it was kind of, even though it was different characters, it was definitely in the, I don't know, it just felt more in the, I don't know, maybe I'm just weird. (laughs) No, I get (laughs) you. Because for whatever, just something about Han just feels like it just... By having just Han and Lando and Chewie like on an adventure, like it doesn't feel as as epic as like the saga movies or even Rogue One, where it's like the Death Star and all these people's lives on the line. Like it just seems like Miami Vice or something, and it needs to have like you know like a different feel to the soundtrack. So I'm kind of curious to see if they come up with something new, or yeah, he's just going to write. John Williams style stuff, which, you know, that could be cool too. I don't think Michael Curley fries. I don't think Rogue One is the final Star Wars movie he'll ever do. Like I think we've said before, I, I feel like Rogue One, he passed the audition. Who knows? You know, I, I look at John Powell as like, I wanted a Sega Genesis for Christmas and I got a Turbo Graphics, but hey, Turbo Graphics is pretty cool too. Yeah. Yeah. Bonk's Adventure at least. Yeah. Slaughterhouse yeah. could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, and it's like if I think if they bring Frappuccino back, like I feel like, you know, they give him episode 10, like he fits that style. And if it's these standalones where they should be kind of, you know, getting a little crazy, then give these other guys a shot. Fill up the paper with notes and come back the next morning and look at it and say, those, it, it is as though someone else had written it. I look at that and say, I couldn't possibly have written all that. Certainly not yesterday. There wouldn't have been enough time. And also, I'm not a particularly religious man, but people ask me how you feel about inspiration, if I can claim to have had any of that good stuff. And I think it's there for all of us. of it is part of the wonder of our the humanity that we share that we all have these capacities and the source for it all is infinite this new trick of joining this with what we could do on film with the colors and the, the rhythms and the visual the excitement of that is very great for me So 
so that brings us to the main topic of this episode, which, like we said before, the secret sauce of Star Wars, the one and only John Williams. What can you say about John Williams that anyone listening to this, Star Wars fans, don't already know? We, you know, kind of like Ben Burt, his contribution to all the movies is invaluable. Like, it's part of the DNA of what makes Star Wars. Yeah. And even though we were just talking about how we're looking forward to potentially a Star Wars movie without John Williams again. It's not Star Wars without John Williams. As these movies keep coming out once, maybe even two times a year, they can't keep doing the same thing over and over again in style or in music. But if you're going in the cupboard and getting the ingredients to make something that's Star Wars, you got to have at least a little bit of John Williams mixed in. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just dry. It tastes like dirt. <laughs> so I was always curious how John Williams kind of came into Star Wars. I mean, there's a, everybody kind of knows, like, well, it's because of Spielberg, and, like, Spielberg worked with him with Jaws. But there's there's some more stuff that I thought was kind of interesting. When I did some research looking into uh, Rinsler's making a book again, he had some good some good stuff that I didn't remember reading and some stuff you don't hear that much. So, you know, George Lucas never had an office on the 20th Century Fox lot because he hated the studio interference so much. (laughs) But uh, Gary Kurtz had an office at Universal, and Spielberg had an office at Universal because Spielberg was just coming off Jaws. And I think Kurtz still had an office there, I think from American Graffiti. And, you know, Spielberg and Lucas knew each other from the friendship they made from Lucas's uh, THX 1138-4EB. Spielberg was kind of, would hang out with Kurtz, and Kurtz would kind of be like, you know, George, he wants this, he wants that. And for the score, he's talking about this old-fashioned, romantic kind of score that he wants. And, yeah, it was Spielberg who said, you got to get John Williams. And in the spring of 75, Spielberg introduced John Williams to George Lucas. I thought this was interesting. John Williams read in the spring of 75 the version of the script that existed then, which you go back to our <laughs> script drafts episode. What in the Whoa. world did John Williams read? Yeah. He must have liked something. Yeah, that could have been Luke flying on a giant bird or something. and King Koopa, or whatever the heck was going on. (laughs) But it's funny, too, because right around the time that John Williams kind of came in and said, yeah, I want to do this, was also right around the same time that Ben Burtt was uh, hired and started gathering sounds. One of the things I think is really interesting to me to think about is, like, the whole thing with the original Star Wars was, like, you know, Lucas was young and crazy, and Ben Burtt was young and crazy, but John Williams was, like, already in his mid-40s. You know, not that you're washed up in your mid forties, but like, you know, you're in a different part of your career. He kind of had his biggest hit, you know, that late. And then he's still, you know, what, 85 years old now, still, (laughs) still doing it. Yeah. I mean, he was playing in like jazz bands and he was doing a lot of TV stuff. And then he did a whole string of, um, disaster movies in the early seventies. And yeah, Jaws was really his big break. So a lot of the times they were cutting to um, the original Star Wars to a temp score in the editing room, and 
The Planets was used in the opening. There was lots of Stravinsky, Ivanhoe on the main title. And like I, I'd forgotten about this, that the first trailer that came out does not feature any of the score. Yeah, isn't it just the somewhere in space this is happening? Yeah, it's like... Dun, 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 dun. And just after New Year's 77, he saw the movie for the first time. And he went over it reel by reel with George Lucas, and they talked about cues. And then for over January, February 1977, he wrote the score. And he started actually recording the score March 5th of 77, which is crazy because then the movie came out in May. Is that he had three months to do to write the score? Pretty much, yeah. So he only had, you know, three times as much time as guacamole. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that same thing. <laughs> Everybody made such a big deal over uh, Michael Curly fries. Well, he only, you know, he only had two days to do the Rogue One score, you know. But he recorded the entire score over a period of seven days. And I thought this was really interesting. While they were recording the score, George Lucas called up Spielberg over the phone and held the phone up to the orchestra. So Spielberg could hear what John Williams was doing. Lucas was so excited, which I, for the life of me, cannot imagine George Lucas ever being that excited. Right. I don't think there are any photos we've ever seen of young, excited George Lucas. <laughs> like, like even in the big chair with the gumball machine, he still looked kind of grumpy. <laughs> He's kind of mad about something. Yeah. I gotta call Steve. This is the greatest thing I ever heard. I wonder if he cried. Oh, Johnny, you nailed it. You made yeah. my dreams come true. The fact that John Williams thought about every character and every scene and wrote serious music to go over all this silly nonsense that was happening on screen. like, And he still... You know, seven, eight movies later, he still he takes it seriously. He's invested in all this. Well, and that's I think, right. It's part of the magic of Star Wars where like the magic of Ben Burt is it's these fantastic sounds that have real world. They're based on real world things. So they kind of seem familiar, even though they're out there. And then, yeah, as goofy as the movies ever get, the fact that the music is completely serious it's part of the feel of Star Wars where it's just, it's everything at once. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's the most serious thing you've ever seen in a CG horse farting. Like it's <laughs> all there at once. Yes. That's where the magic comes from. It's kind of interesting that we're talking about in Rinsler's book, uh, some of the edit changes. Of course, Lucas was tinkering with the movie all the way until the very end, even after John Williams scored the whole thing. And um, originally R2 going through Tatooine all had music and um, all the supposedly the trash compactor scene all had music before. I, and I can't remember if David Collins talked about those in the fantastic late great Star Wars Oxygen. And I don't remember either. I know he did, and we went to the panel at Celebration Anaheim where he put the the music from the restored music from the opening of Empire. Yeah. Back in the beginning he showed the footage from Empire with how it would have originally sounded with the whole John Williams score, which was 
Uh, do you remember when we went to that? It was right after the Force Awakens panel, and we were still kind of like slap happy and de- delirious. Yeah. And we were like, we got to go to David Collins' panel. And then it was like in a dark theater room, and we were like, we can't stay in here. We'll fall yeah, asleep. we can't stay in here. No. We'll just go listen to the podcast again. Yeah, we wouldn't have made. We'd still be in that in that panel right now. <laughs> just two skeletons. <laughs> yeah, two years later. Uh. So May first, seventy seven. It's kind of interesting. Was the first time that the original Star Wars was shown at San Francisco's uh, North Point Theater. The first time it was ever shown to an audience. I guess the sound mix wasn't complete, but William's score was complete and in there. And um, as soon as the blast of music came on people started applauding and the title star wars and then i guess when the star destroyer came on the applause then turned into people standing up and cheering (laughs) sounds about right to me but it's interesting too because i guess (laughs) afterwards like they were all in the lobby and no one knew what was going to happen and people were freaking out being like oh my god what a what a reaction and george i guess richard chu editor richard chu went up to george lucas and lucas was like oh there's still a lot of a lot of work to be done still not right (laughs) So William's soundtrack uh, came out, ended up going platinum with uh, initial sales of 650000 It was sold for $9 back then because it, it was a double album. Like, I had one. I had, like, I had to have been, like, I think four years old, three, four years old. <laughs> and, like, most three, four-year-olds listening to a double album soundtrack. And your little Fisher-Price record player? I sure was, yeah. He ended up winning an Oscar for the score, so... there's. It's almost like there are Star Wars fans who are really Star Wars soundtrack fans, and they're more fans of the soundtracks than they are of the movies. Like, they're almost their own thing, which is cool that they're just... There's that much good music in there that people can, you know... I don't even like the movies, but I just like the soundtracks. It, it's kind of like how people, you know, you talk to people that don't like Phantom Menace and even people that don't like the movie, a lot of them will tell you, well, I like the soundtrack. And it's just neat that, you know, so many kids, at least people who are our age or a little older now, like learned about classical music from the Star Wars soundtrack. And there have been so many different versions of the soundtrack, especially for the original trilogy. I remember you had that long box box set for the longest time. Yeah, I still got it with uh, the anthology version. Mm-hmm. Was that the first thing really to have a lot of the the tracks that are in the movie and not on the original soundtracks? Because as good as standalone albums as the original soundtracks were, they weren't the whole movie and they were more like a bunch of songs. And then, yeah, I think I was telling you when we were kind of getting ready to do this, I went back to listen to the soundtracks again. And now that, you know, we live in the future and you can just go on the computer and, and stream things like I've been usually listening to the soundtracks on Spotify in the nineties ones, which were the two disc sets that had more of the movie f- music um, and were different than the original soundtracks. I had always been listening to those. And all of a sudden I went to go listen to them again and they were all gone I think I had read about this, but I totally forgot about it. Basically, I think as of the beginning of 2017, Disney now has the rights back from Sony for all the music. They kind of immediately got rid of um, all those old two-disc sets and the Phantom Menace double-disc. The Ultimate Edition, I think. Yeah. So basically, those are kind of out of print now. 
and they re-released the old original original soundtracks which if you go on the John Williams fan pages and things a lot of people are really pumped up about that cuz they think that Disney would potentially uh might release a box set or some new multi-disc sets since you know even with the prequels like Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith have music that is not on the soundtrack and that, and you can you know you can only get it on YouTube or or watch the film so potentially it's good news for John Williams fans cuz we may get some new releases in the future now that it's all back to Disney I would love that because those those special edition two disc sets that came out in 97 those are still my go-tos for the soundtrack cuz they have everything you could think of except Return of the Jedi does not have the second Max Rebo song Yeah, and that's where I don't know what's wrong with me. I never got those 90s ones. I think I, for whatever reason, I was like, oh, I got the anthology. I got everything. I don't need that. But, yeah, I forgot that there's, like, special edition music I don't have. But then even, like, Force Awakens, like, that soundtrack is nowhere near complete. And, you know, when they released online the the one for the Academy voters, that was much closer to a complete version. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, 40 years in, there is still more Star Wars music to be released on, you know, whatever whatever the kids listen to music on now. <laughs> um, <laughs> on the internets. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, hopefully Disney will take advantage of having the rights and liking to make money and get that stuff out. Because, you know, people have been waiting for years to get, uh, I know I'm still waiting for the, you know, the extended Attack of the Clones The fact that episodes two and three do not have complete scores, I mean, whatever people's opinion on the movies are, I think everyone would agree that those scores are important and should have a complete version. I mean, I would love to hear what originally was recorded for Attack of the Clones before Lucas freaked out in the editing room and had to change everything around. Yeah. I do think some of that stuff you can find on YouTube, but it's, you know, it's questionable quality. And yeah, there's no reason there shouldn't be an official release for that stuff. So we went through all seven so far of John Williams' Star Wars scores. And we picked some of our favorite tracks from each of the the seven ones so far. And we're going to go in order of release. Gabe, what are your favorite tracks from The Phantom Menace? So this was a tough one because to me, going back and listening to everything, I feel like the original New Hope soundtrack and basically and Phantom Menace both are like jam-packed with gems and great stuff more so than the other films to me. And I kind of almost wonder subconsciously that if that was why kind of people were so harsh on the uh, Force Awakens soundtrack when it came out, because it was like whenever a new trilogy would start, John Williams kind of jammed them full of new goodies. And Force Awakens was kind of more of a laid back reintroduction to Star Wars. So, man, Phantom Menace, 
for me, I gotta say, I've always been a sucker for the droid invasion music. Oh, yeah. That's definitely one of my favorites. And then, oh, if I have to pick two, it would be the, the Flag Parade pod race music. Which I did play, have played at my wedding, so I sure. guess I like it. <laughs> so, as you walk down the aisle with your yeah. wife after you're married, yeah. the yeah. Flag Parade... I looked at you as you walked down the aisle, and then I said to my wife, "I was like, man, he's she was she didn't even know it." I was like, yeah. "He played that's the music from the flag parade and Phantom Menace." <laughs> Bravo to you, sir. <laughs> yeah. Well, well played. Uh, so, what do you got from Menace? My favorite, still. I remember being in the theater opening night, and I was loving that movie so hard, and. When I remember really thinking, I was like, man, I love this movie. Whenever uh, Anakin's flying in space music, that little theme would play. I remember sitting in the theater being like, oh, my God, it's a new Star Wars movie. Something about that theme. Like really got me and i still love it so much if i had to pick a second pick from phantom menace it's it's the parade it's the the parade municipal band it's like i loved it you know the first four or five times when i saw the movie i loved it but then you know like sometime that summer when somebody told you you know that's Palpatine's theme from Return of the Jedi, just sped up a little and sung by children. And I was just like, oh, you know, I had to yeah. lay down. I had just, I'm still recovering from that one. Yeah, I had to go hide under the bed for a week. Well, and that's, I think Phantom Menace is so good as a soundtrack because it's like, we didn't, neither of us even mentioned Duel of the Fates, which is pretty awesome. But oh, yeah. it's like, it's so good that we can't even pick it. <laughs> you know, right. Like, right. You, like if we're going to pick your favorite two, you can't even pick that one because it's like, that one's just a given that it's good. It's like if somebody asks you what your favorite food is, you're probably yeah. not going to say pizza, although it really might be pizza. Right. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> we're not going to, we're not going to pick the, you know, the Star Wars theme that Luke's theme necessarily. Right. Cause it's like, you can't, it's too, it's too much apart. It's too classic that, yeah, it can't even go on your list. The music when they go to, um, Odagunga, uh-huh. awesome. Planet Core, when all the fish are biting people, uh-huh. is good. There's uh-huh. just, I don't know, when I was trying to pick two from Menace, it was like, it was too hard because there's just so much good stuff packed into that movie, into the soundtrack. So moving on, what, what would you pick from Attack of the Clones? So Clones is like the opposite of Phantom Menace, I think, as far as soundtrack goes, where there's just so much packed into Phantom Menace that it's hard to pick. You get to clones and it's like the whole movie's Across the Stars and variations <laughs> on it, which is okay because Across the Stars is really good. 
um, which is one of the two I picked. And the version on the soundtrack is is really excellent. Just like that one song is like you can hear the whole movie in your head when you listen to that. <laughs> but the other thing with clones I always love is basically whenever they get to Camino, the little da 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 the like Camino music. Mm-hmm. I think I'm maybe I'm just a sucker for whenever there's w- water in the movies. There's always the water music is good. So, what do you got? Um, I picked the the chase through Coruscant. I love that. John Williams freaking out. The movie, that's the movie where Attack of the Clones starts getting real crazy real fast. And so does the music. For whatever reason, that's like my least favorite Star Wars music in all the movies. Wow. All right. <laughs> Interesting. I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's just something about that. Like it. I think maybe it's like I was saying. It's like when the crazier Star Wars gets visually, the more serious I like the music, mm. and that's a convergence of silly movie and silly music. <laughs> and it's too much for me. I don't know. Fascinating. Um, if I had to pick a second place for Attack of the Clones, it's the version of Across the Stars when they're going into the arena. I think it's like the Love Pledge. Yeah. Where Across the Stars really swells. And then it, as they enter the arena, it goes into that crazy Geonosian click-clack drum music, you know? Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, you truly deeply love that part. Yeah. (laughs) What would you have for Revenge of the Sith? So Sith was one that, similar to with the Camino thing, it's something that's, because that Camino music's not on the soundtrack, as cool as it is. I don't think, right? I don't remember it being on there. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. For Sith, I just I love the music when Grievous first goes to Utapau. That's not on the soundtrack. Really? I do not think so. I could be wrong, but I couldn't find it on there. <laughs> Maybe it's hidden in another track, but um, I don't think that I ever made it on the soundtrack, and that I think that may be my absolute favorite little bit of music. Battle of Heroes is another one, like Duel of the Fates. Like it's so much a part of the movie, it's almost hard to say it's a favorite. So maybe I won't, even though I kind of just did. <laughs> um, and then I, I don't know. I really like the Order sixty six music. It's like the saddest music in all, all seven movies. Sith, I only picked one choice, and I really like everything in the uh, in the space battle opening, especially the part where it's just like the war drums. 
that movie starts out so great. It's such a good starting. So what would you have uh, for A New Hope? So similar to Phantom Menace, there is so many nuggets of gold in the New Hope soundtrack. It's just, it's amazing even to think about like, uh, I think we kind of talked about that, you know, at the 40th anniversary, like just how much of that soundtrack, like got carried over to all the other movies because it was just, there was just so much there from the beginning. Oh, Leia's theme is great. Yeah. I have a new appreciation. I've always loved Leia's theme, but I don't think... I, I remember reading... I think it's when I interviewed Kevin Rubio and I asked him what his favorite piece of Star Wars music was, and he said Leia's theme, I think. And I was kind of like, hmm, interesting. After Celebration... And John Williams live and hearing him do Leia's theme live right after Billy Lord came out and talked about her mother. That was, I feel like that was the first time I'd ever like really like really, really sunk in Leia's theme. And the version on the original soundtrack is really, really well done. It's it's a really nice arrangement of it. The funny thing with Leia's theme is I think I remember it most from the disco record. The Miko, the, the Miko one, because after like this, the just over the top disco-ness of the beginning, when it settles into Leia's theme and kind of the whole track just kind of, it gets chill for a little bit. Yeah. I don't know that. I think that's what got me so hooked on the, on Leia's theme. That's the Miko version. That's good. Imperial Attack is great. The music oh, yeah. when they're in, when they're in the escape pod. Mm-hmm. The little bit of escape pod stuff, all the stuff in the desert, the TIE fighter fight after Ben dies, the sand people stuff. I don't know. I couldn't, I, I cheated on that one. I just couldn't narrow it down to two. There was just too much. I mean, I agree. I, I just kind of, it's, you know, it's picking the best of the best. And I had to go, I love, ever since I was a little kid, like I was saying, when I had the soundtrack, I really loved the Luke searching for the droids and the land speeder music. I mean, I play it, I think, every other episode in Blast Points randomly just because I love it. And I and I also really love, like you were saying, the the Falcon shooting the ties right after Ben dies music. I think that's just like about as classic as it gets. Yeah. as intense as that scene is visually like the music just takes it to the next level of in, of intensity yeah with we talked about it in our new hope episode where i think we timed the shots and there's like most shots in that scene are like about two seconds long and william's score just like rides that wave so what, what would you have for empire so for Empire, as much as that movie is all about the Imperial March, the dual version of Imperial March at the end is probably my favorite use of the Imperial March. 
And then I'm a sucker for the asteroid field music. Yeah. <laughs> that might be my favorite Star Wars music of all the movies. Wow. And the fact, I think I'm always amazed for how cool that music is that they've managed to only ever play that in that in Empire. Like, it's never come back in any of the other movies. I took the obvious way, and I did write down just the Imperial March. And I almost feel like, I don't know if this is cheating with our rules, but I like the the album version, like the, the Imperial March like concert version, the suite, you know? To the point, it's like I love um, Guacamole's Imperial Suite that he did on the Rogue One soundtrack. Just, yeah. it's not really in the movie, but it's it's just that jam, just yeah. just them rocking out to some yeah. Imperial sounds and roll down the windows and crank it up. Drive down in the summertime, <laughs> tell your whole neighborhood what's up. Um, but I, I also really love uh, Yoda rising the X-Wing out of the swamp. And just Yoda's theme in general is great, too. It is. This just freaked me out. I felt like an idiot when we were talking about this, but going back and listening to the original soundtracks... When they have the they track the magic tree, basically the whole Dagobah vision thing, I never noticed that there was synthesizer in that ever <laughs> in the like 35 years of watching Empire Strikes Back. I never noticed that that was in there until this week listening to the soundtrack. And then I was convinced that it was like um, like the electric guitar solo thing in Attack of the Clones, that that was sub- something that was only in the soundtrack. And sure enough, I went back and watched multiple versions of empire it's in all of them so i <laughs> i don't know how i never noticed that all these years you know it's but, an intense scene you know yeah maybe it's i'm too scared in that part to hear the <laughs> synthesizer you always had your hands over your ears no yeah. <laughs> what would you pick for Return of the Jedi? So it's funny. At first, I was like, man, I can't think of anything from Return of the Jedi. But the Luke Vader battle, mm, uh-huh. the music that kicks in at the end, that's my favorite in all of Jedi. Which I don't think that's on the soundtrack either, is it? In the uh, original soundtrack. Um, yeah, it's in the 97 version, but definitely not the original. No, Like when Vader says, I'm going to find your sister. Because, um, <laughs> you know, I've uh, yeah, only seen that movie a couple times. And the music kicks in. Yeah, that's the best. And I'm a sucker for the Into the Trap 
space battle music. I went with um, the sail barge and Luke catching the saber, doing triple backflip and the, the return of the Jedi. This may be blasphemy with, you know, we end every show with uh, Yubnub, but uh, I really like the special edition Endor celebration music. Yeah, I do too. I think, I don't think there's, well, I'm sure there's people that don't agree, but it, like, it's a better ending to six movies than Yubnub. And I love Yubnub. I do too, but yeah, I. I remember being in the theater in 97 and just being like, oh, my God. (laughs) That's the best thing I've ever heard. Just go crawling out of the theater into the lobby. Yeah, because it's just like, I don't know. You're like exhausted when you get to that part. And it's like exhausted, but happy music. Yeah, like when when the music kind of swells when Luke is looking at his father and Obi-Wan and Yoda. It's just, you know, as much as I love Yubnub, like we were saying, it is, it's a little bit more appropriate. <laughs> you know, it's. It's again, it's seen something completely silly, but the music's totally serious. And in, in, in the original version, it's it's flipped. It's something serious with silly music. So <laughs> maybe in a way it, it did work, but it, it's better with the new stuff. What would you have but, for, uh, for Force Awakens? Force Awakens race theme is great. Mm-hmm. That's another one to me, almost like across the stars where you listen to, especially like the version on the soundtrack. It's like you can you can see the whole movie in your head just listening to that one song. I really love the Jedi Steps music. Because I remember that one, it's like really hit me watching the movie the first time. Because it's like when you get to that part, it's like, oh man, this is something new. Uh, and then honorable mention to to just Kylo's theme, which is really simple but really cool. I also had Ray's theme, um, but especially at the very end of the credits, like I've talked about constantly, where it merges with Luke's theme. that messed me up but like that's another one like because like i've said on the show a bunch of times that i'll look at anything and read anything before a movie comes before a new star wars movie comes out but i will not listen to the score ahead of time it's my one rule my one spoiler rule i'm gonna stick with that with the last jedi but so i went into the force awakens not having heard just about anything from the score because there was that one preview that had uh, the jedi steps in it 
and everyone thought that was going to be Ray's theme. Remember that? And so when I sat down in the theater that that night, I remember hearing Ray's theme the first time and being like, wow. Uh, I want definitely an honorable mention too. to, I'm going to probably mispronounce this, but Scherzo, Scherzo for X-Wings. I don't know. I don't know anything about music, but I really love that. Churros for X Wings. I, I don't know either. Churros for X Wings. Maybe. <laughs> I had a churro at dinner tonight. Oh, yeah. It wasn't for X Wings, but <laughs> it was good. I think about our lightsaber churros we had in at Disney. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the time. And I don't know. It's it's crazy to think for how much stuff we've talked about. Like how much more just absolute gold there is in the soundtracks. Palpatine's theme, Snoke's theme, and the opera scene from Sith, all those, you know, the the real dark evil stuff is all great. Not to mention, you know, the stuff that's in all the movies, the Force theme. Um, Han and Leia's theme. The Ewok music, Jar Jar's theme. Yeah, I love that Ewok theme. The droid. Anakin's theme. Yeah, Anakin's theme. Yeah, so let us know, like, on... Um on the Blast Points Twitter or on Facebook, tell us what your personal favorites are from the Star Wars saga of the John Williams stuff out there. Let us know what gets what gets you going. Rebo's got the beat, and the band plays on. You can relive it all with Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Introducing Size Noodles and the Rebo Band. Jabba the Hutt action playset sold separately. Play it again, Size. Starring Size Noodles, Droopy McCool on clarinet, Max Rebo on organ. Ribbit Rebo. <laughs> Dance, Droopy. It's your last solo, Snoodles. Use Size Noodles and the Rebo Band. Jabba the Hutt action playset sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. So, yeah, we don't have any new iTunes reviews this week, which is depressing. But um, you can fix that. You, listener out there, you can fix that for next week. After you're done listening to this episode, head over to iTunes, leave an awesome review, and uh, we'll read it on probably next week's show, hopefully. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial Stormtroopers are so precise. Yeah, and don't forget to check uh, BlastPointsPodcast.com. Our Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, um, and keep on downloading the podcast. 
I think on BlastPointsPodcast.com we had a new Darth Field comic just uh, just recently with a special appearance by Tarkin. Ooh. I know. Finally. Yeah, I've been waiting for Tarkin. That's what we're talking Tarkin about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, too, on BlastPointsPodcast.com you can order yourself a T-shirt, a BlastPoint shirt. Got them on there. And we just... Did we talk about the last use the forks i think so but we can talk about it again it's still there i'm gonna make raised por- <laughs> raised portion bread still there there's some good stuff uh coming soon with use the forks so keep a lookout but that about wraps up uh number 85 here we'll be back next week maybe with some more droids <laughs> <laughs> maybe not <laughs> have to keep guessing yeah <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, folks. Yeah, thanks. Talk to you soon. May the force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Do it.